Great. So welcome to BrainCast. Um, today we are speaking to Shay, a neuroscience PhD student here at Sussex. He's specialising in animal behaviour, computation and tracking software. And he's going to tell you a little bit more about his PhD project. So welcome, Shay. Hello. Nice Hello. to be here. <laughs> Great. So this episode is a little different to some of the existing ones that are already on the YouTube. Um, so it's a start to a series that's looking into gaining insights into PhD projects, the people behind them, and some advice on how you could go and do your own PhD. Um, I think it's really important to see where all the academics started in their career, from their own PhD to their research lab. Great. So Shay, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got interested into neuroscience? Um, yeah, so I've been interested in um, neuroscience and computers for quite a long time now. I think as a kid, I always had an interest in nature. Like I love those nature documentaries with David Attenborough and kind of things. And then I got a lot into computers and technology through um like video games and then from there I got into like other types of technology I was interested in that uh, I think the bit where I decided to focus on the brain was in um end of high school slash college where I was thinking okay do I pick like computer subjects or um do I pick like more biologically focused subjects um because I was trying to decide between computers and the brain Eventually, I decided that, oh, okay, I guess the brain, some people say the brain is the most advanced computer ever. So I'll just pick the brain. And I went the biology route, trying to do medicine and neurology and that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of where the point where I decided to focus on neuroscience, I guess. Yeah, yeah I guess, uh, you know, we always think that neuroscience is a very um, biology based course but actually there's a lot of computation that comes into that would you agree yeah absolutely there's I found um as I'm in the phase now I'm having to learn a lot of um maths and algorithms and more computer-based stuff so it really is helpful to have even if you come from a biological background it really is helpful to have a kind of interest in computers because that's a lot of the language people use when they're talking about the brain even though it might be different to how computers do it. They still use that same terminology, so it's useful to be familiar with that at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so can you actually tell us a little bit more about your PhD project, what you're exactly doing, and the lead up to your project proposal? Yeah, so um, right now I'm working on ad navigation um, and spiking simulations of the ant brain. Um, essentially, um, I want to uh, take an experiments that we do in the lab and analyze that with some um, advanced AI tra tracking software to analyze their trajectories to kind of to see what information in their environment is important to them when they are trying to search for food. Um, but I also want to combine that with um, spiking your network work, where we simulate areas of the app brain in order to and embody those simulations, either in robots or in simulations, um, in order to see if we can almost reverse engineer the ant brain to see well, what is going on, what are those computations doing that allow ants to 
forage so effect effectively and collect information from the environment so effectively. So that's kind of like the core of the, of the PhD. Wonderful. And um, what have you found so far? Any preliminary results? Or... Um, pre preliminary results. I guess uh, this comes from my rotations. Um, so uh, for those that don't know, uh, Sussex Neuroscience is a four-year program. The first year is a set of rotations. So these are three-month, like three, three-month projects. Um, and they allow you to get a good feel for a lab or a type of research. Um, so even though I'm in the, I'm technically just starting my main project, I already have some work. So um, in one of my rotations, um, I worked on modeling, the spiking neural network modeling. That was my first time ever doing modeling. So it was a bit like, I had quite a few worries where I was just like, I have no idea what's going on here. Like, I, I don't know how to, I didn't know enough maths to, to know what some of the people in my lab were talking about. Um, but I was able to link it to what I did know from my neuroscience experience and kind of link it together. Um, so in that, in one of my rotations, I made a model of the brain, specifically the mushroom body. So the mushroom body is a, a region that's really important for um, both, so olfactory, so that's smelling memory and visual memory. Um, in the ants, of course, it's mostly focused on uh, visual memory. So I made a model of that and then fed in images of a ant root, or like a foraging root, and saw if it was able to like pick the correct angle of travel along a route. Um, during my rotation, it didn't do that that well. It did okay. It went in the generally correct direction, the model did. Um, but after, I found after collaborating with another student here, a roboticist um, called Amaniami, um, she was able to put that into a different environment and was able to follow a route quite closely. So that was really exciting um, because that was before my main PhD has even started, there's something interesting happening. We have a model that we know works okay. So I guess lots of my PhD um, which I'm about to be working on is going to be building on that model, making it a bit more biologically accurate, adding um, maybe some more um, realistic visual inputs and just seeing what's going on in that model. Um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at right now. I, I, I guess I've also done um, some ant experiments in my third rotation where I could get a feel for the lab, how that kind of works. And right now I'm looking at ways of tracking uh, multiple ants um, um, in a way that we can make the lab experiments more efficient and speed up that process. So that's where I'm at right now. And of course, got three years to go. So got plenty to do, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Great, that sounds really, really cool. Um, so who did you have your first rotation with? Yeah, my first rotation. My first rotation was with uh, Thomas Novotny. Um, so okay. Professor Thomas Novotny, he's in the School of Informatics. Um, he's actually got a very, very wide, wide range of students right now. So he's got some students on the spiking network side. He's got some students on the more machine learning. So machine learning applications for spiking neural networks. And he's also got a, a, an experimental student who's doing electrophysiology for software. Um, so yeah, he's got 
yeah, I've got a wide range of students. Great, yeah. and then you also with uh, Miguel Maraval and then Paul Graham, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so my second rotation was with Miguel Maraval. So that was working on something very different with um, my navigation, as, as you know well. Yeah. Um, and then my third rotation was with Paul Graham. Um, working on navigation in the lab. So my supervisors for my um, PhD are Paul Graham and Thomas Novotny, but um, with Miguel, worked really well with him in his lab. So I'm still um, doing a bit on the side for um, the MySpace project, which I actually got to visit the other week um, to see how the maze has progressed since I since I was working on it. And it's, it's going very well. It's, it's very exciting. There's a lot of a lot of cool circuits going on that are moving different parts automatically so that was cool to see yeah, <laughs> yeah. i remember that yeah um i saw them recently so i got to kind of uh yuri told me a little bit yuri's a research fellow at miguel's lab he's um he's made some moving parts in this maze for animal tracking just for the guys watching um but yeah i mean you know, you, you got to do quite a, quite a big range of um, labs for your rotation because you kind of, what you wanted to do is you wanted to combine kind of elements of all three in your PhD project, which, you know, yeah. is really, really cool. Um, I guess that's just like something to look forward to for the people watching is that um, I guess you don't have to just stick to one lab. You can You can take inspiration from from many people and kind of collaborate. Would you agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, what I've enjoyed at Sussex is um, there's quite, in the areas that I'm in, in a way, there's quite a lot of freedom to uh, mix stuff together and um, collaborate with different people. And things have just kind of naturally come together for me, which I'm really excited about. Um, but yeah, so. Lots of people might think you have to, if you like modeling, you have to stick to that and just stay in that and you're kind of in that for the rest of your life or career or whatever it is. But it is really good to mix things up. And I've uh, found a lot of insight from talking to my um, more mathematical or computational orientated colleagues. They've been able to give me a lot of insight and um, I've been able to help them as well on some of the more um, biological and more um, basic neuroscience things. So yeah, it's always good to mix. It's good for you as a researcher, also good for your colleagues. And in my mind, it makes things a lot more entertaining because uh, I think what could happen, what I've heard from some later PhD students, some of the difficulties can come when they're just doing the same thing like every day for like two years or something like a year or two years. And, it, and it, they can kind of lose sight of the big picture. Um, but with my work, I often am able to, since I have like three main areas, I'm able to just go between them. Um, of course, with communication with my supervisors, but I'm able to just kind of go between them. So if I get really tired of one, I'll just be like, okay, I can move on to the next area for a while and just keep developing these areas um, and, see how they mix into each other, how they feed into each other. So it keeps things fresh and um, interesting as you're going along. So that's what I like about the interdisciplinary um, research. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned that 
you know, you've spoken to some PhD students and there seems to be kind of like a brick wall people hit during their PhD or, you know, it is quite, you know, labor intensive or time consuming to do a PhD, you know, the full four years. How have you mm. found that your work balance has been? Um, mm. Yeah, so um, work, work, life balance in a PhD is, is quite difficult because a lot of it, a lot of the onus is on you. Uh, I sometimes joke with my uh, uh, my course mates saying that it's a bit, it almost feels like being a artist or something where the amount that you get out is, a, is the amount that you put in. So it's not like necessarily like the kind of job where you put the work in for the day and then you leave and go home. Because of course in those jobs, you might still be thinking about the work, but you're not necessarily always under pressure to be working. And there can be that attitude to just be continually working and working. working. Um, so my work-life balance, it's been, it's been up and down. So often in my rotation year, I would start the rotation and I would get a bit, I would get a bit stressed because I would see everyone working. I might see people talking about getting stressed and all that kind of things. And then that would affect me. Um, but then eventually I get, I settle in and I'm like, okay, I can just go my own pace. And once I start to go my own pace, um, then I'm fine. I can normally make sure to, um, make sure to schedule some time that's not work. Also, um, my wife helps me to, you know, can I, to just not be working all the time. So that kind of thing, having, having a, someone, whether it's a, a relationship or a friend or someone to help you do that, that's always important. Um, so yeah, it's been up and down, but it, it does take some control um, and some self-control to stop working or to make sure you're spending enough time on other things important not just your phd yeah so, definitely yeah. takes a while to get into the rhythm of it i guess exactly yeah um just getting into a rhythm and into your own schedule um, and not spending too much time comparing yourself with other people because i think that's the mistake i made at the start of my rotations is i compared myself to other people and it sometimes was silly because it's like oh they're stressed and then you kind of like oh should i be stressed and it's like no wait i don't need to be stressed i can just <laughs> i can just get on with my work and just yeah. enjoy it and, and take it out my own face yeah so <laughs> yeah that's that's some really good advice and um so while you've also been a phd student at sussex what kind of opportunities have been presented to you because you did you recently went to Japan over the summer. Um, how did yes. you get onto that and what did you do well, while you were in Japan? Yeah, so um, that was a the Okinawa Computation Neuroscience Summer School. So that was at um, a place called OIST, so the Okinawa Institute of Science and Technology. Um, and essentially it's an application progress, um, process to get onto the summer school. Um, it's fairly competitive program, but um, if you have, it's generally kind of like you would apply to a PhD or a internship. It's that kind of application process. Um, uh, and so I applied, I had applied to some of their things before, um, some of their summer internships, but I never got on. Um, but this year um, I had a better CV, I think, where 
Um, I also got on the British Nurses Science Association Scholars Programme, which has been a massive help to me with my applications. I think I've only been able to actually get accepted to, to things after I got into that Scholars Programme. Um, of course, some of that may be timing and coincidence, but it's definitely been a massive help, that Scholars Programme. I can talk about that a bit later. Um, yeah. But the, the summer school was um, essentially lots of lectures on some key topics in computational neuroscience and then workshops on tools. So they'll actually give you practical um, practical workshops to help you work on the nest simulator or the neuron simulator. Lots of popular um, simulators used in computational neuroscience and then some talks on some more different subjects uh, we had um, to break it up we had one talk on like black holes um, from a from a um, space scientist which was kind of cool to break things up so just lectures and then we also had a project so we had in this three week three weeks time we had to make a project and present it on top of all these things so it was very very intense but also really fun and um, got to know some really cool people during it. Um, we were also taking the course and discussed with them and just have fun together too. So it was a really great course, um, really um, gave me some motivation in terms of incorporating computational techniques in my PhD and was great to meet people and discuss their projects, my project, and yeah, just getting some ideas. So really inspiring trip. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds exciting. I'm sure, you know, loads of people would love to go to Japan. Um, but especially, you know, being surrounded by a lot of people that have so such great knowledge into these um, topics must be really, really inspiring. Did you yeah. say? Yeah. 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 It was quite inspiring to meet people at um, some people at my stage, some people a bit above, um, but just see some of the see some of the, the differences some of the similarities i know there was a um i talked a lot with um someone from i believe it was ucl or kcl but i might have to make sure i remember him <laughs> remember which place he's working at, at uh, called tom um and he we work on similar things in terms of we're both interested in navigation and things like head direction cells and place cells and that kind of thing. Um, but coming at it from completely different um, perspectives. So he's a lot more mathematical and computational. And I came up with it from neuroscience. So I came in, of course, I was just like, oh, I'll just use a spiky network for this. And then lots of people, he would like question me like, why would you use this for that or this for that? And I was just like, I guess I didn't think about it because I didn't. I was just like, um, in neuroscience, you have these connections, you replicate this structure, and it seems to work for me. I was just like, this is great. Uh, but yeah. it was great to hear uh, this problem analyzed from a completely different point of view. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, and it was nice to meet um, the researchers. I also had, um, during the time you're there, you're giving a kind of like project um, a, yeah, a project supervisor, and I had an absolutely great supervisor um, who helped me through. He taught me how to use a brine simulator, um, which is another commonly used one, 
and really helped me grasp the concept, concepts really quickly because we were having to, we didn't have much time for the project on, the, on top of all the other stuff. So he helped me grab that really quickly. Um, and yeah, it was a really great experience. Also, the environment was amazing. So it was like on the beach, um, like really close to the, not on the beach, but really close to the beach and really beautiful weather. Well, it seemed to me, they said it was a rainy season. So it was a bit of a, you know, rainstorms coming in mm -hmm. occasionally, but it was a really beautiful island and very, very far south of Japan. So quite far away from the mainland. Um, so that it's not very highly populated island. So it was really nice to, occasionally for a break I'll just go on a walk and see the greenery the like tropical tropical uh, plants and see the blue sea it was like crystal blue so a really great place to do some research and I was a bit I did get a bit jealous of their facilities they took us up to the main campus so we could see all the facilities and it looked amazing kind of looked a bit like a villain's lair at times though because I was mm. just like wow this is this is it's pretty crazy, but yeah, that was a yeah, re really great experience that I'm going to uh, carry with me and I would definitely recommend people to give it a try. It was very, very inspiring and uh, makes me hope to um, link with some of those researchers I've met. Yeah. Yeah. And would you recommend uh, people apply to these programs, even if they're worried about not speaking the language or how, how was your time where you completely just on campus um, in the research facility or did you go um, more into like um, you know um, town areas how was it oh yeah so uh, yeah in this case um, it's more it was more about being on campus with people so most of your time is just spent with the other researchers and oh I guess I didn't think about that so lots of these programs they might you if you're used to just the UK and you've never really travelled further than the UK, um, you don't actually have to worry about language with almost any of these courses um, because the international language for science is English. So even if even though the course was in Japan, um, everything was in English. All the information we needed, all of that was in English. Um, we did get two get two days off during the program. Um, so we were able to um, actually um, um, go go out into town and do stuff. We, uh, a few of us went to visit like an aquarium and botanical garden, and then people did other things on another day off. So on your day off, um, you can go into town and um, try and see what the local culture is. But in general, lots of these programs, they're just focused around being with this group of people and they'll all speak, they'll all speak at least um, some English, so you'll be fine. Um, uh, there's some other programs that are in, in other countries, either Europe or farther afield, but if it's a science course, you generally don't have to worry about the language barrier. And there's normally be someone there who can speak the language to take you through if you're worried about going to town. I thankfully speak some Japanese, so when we went to went into town together, I was okay. But there was normally there's a lot of other people who did as well. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the um, some scholars program or scholars um, thing. Um, could you tell us more about that? Sorry, I just. 
can't remember the name of it. Oh yeah, the BNA Scholars Program. So that's yeah. run by the British Neuroscience Association. Um, so they do a lot of yeah they do a lot of great work from organizing conferences to um, to helping like promote better ethics in science whether that's more open science or whether that's um, figuring out better ways to assess a scientist's impact they do things for um, uh, equality and diversity and one of their programs uh, the BNA Scholars Program um, it started off by they saw that in the UK, there there's a, a quite a, like a very very low amount of um, ethnic minorities involved in neuroscience, and they wanted to launch a program to help this, and not just in a in a kind of oh we'll just throw some money at something and hope it works, but um, they made a program where you apply and then. It's a selection process, like many of these internships and programs are. Uh, I was selected as one of the um, inaugural scholars for the program. And essentially, it's a mix of mentoring and um, conferences and lots of things that help engage you with, this, with the neuroscience community that you might not have the opportunity otherwise. So with the mentorship part, um, I have a mentor called Catherine Peridin. She is uh, an auditory uh, sensory uh, neuroscientist uh, who is now working in um, industry. And um, with talk discussions with her, she's able to give me advice on um, my career path or work-life balance or lots of different things in neuroscience. Um, and that's helpful to have someone to go to for like some some questions you might not want to talk with your supervisor about and that's quite helpful but also they are able to fund your trips to conferences so i've been to i think is it three or four meetings slash conferences that i would never have gone to if it weren't for the scholars program so um there was a uh international uh, well a european neuroscience conference in paris for example the FENS conference, and they were able to fund my trip there. And for example, and that's something that it's just like, I would see it. I, I used to see some of these conferences and I'll be like, oh, that would be cool to get to, but I just never can, or just never I'm able to find the time or got to get the money or anything like that to go. So you're getting these opportunities to go to these places and um, meet these other scientists, discuss ideas and, this interaction is a key part of becoming a scientist, is what I'm told. <laughs> key part of becoming a successful scientist. So they give you these opportunities and um, help you out in the goals that you want to achieve. So, and and as I said, it's been great for my applications too. So it's, it's been a great thing to put on my CV that I can be proud of that I've oh um, managed to get through this selection process and. Um, and can now put it on my CV for lots of different applications. So, yeah. That sounds really wonderful. Like, I'm sure, you know, everyone as they go through kind of education and uh, the lead up kind of entry into career, we all could use with a mentor. We all could use with someone that can kind of, you know, let us know, you know, are, are we on the right track? You know, because I think a lot of people, uh, like yourself included, you have doubts about 
you know how things are going what the future may be like and it's also always helpful to have that kind of support to to keep pushing you forwards and forwards would you say mm -hmm. yeah yeah there, there are definitely uh, a lot of worries and um if you just it's not good to focus on that too much because it can um, it can distract you but yeah there can be a lot of worries in academia i think constantly sees things maybe on academic Twitter or on news articles about oh, um, how stable is it, how to get funding, all of these kind of things. And it's good to have someone um, talk to you about these things. Always good to have colleagues, but also um, and course mates, but also a mentor that you can talk through. Um, one thing that I thought about, I've had to think about is, okay, I, I, I think I want to go to academia long-term, but do I have a backup plan for industry that I would want to go to um, if I want to, if I see something interests me or I need to do for more stability or things like that? Because with, with academia, you may have to move around a lot. You may do, not everyone. Some people are very fortunate. They can stay in the same place where they want to. And, but some people, they feel like they, oh, to, to advance, I must move, move around. Um, mm. And so one thing I've thought of like, that has um, encouraged me into the computational field is that when thinking about, oh, if I leave academia, what kind of job would I want to do? And that's encouraged me to um, do more computational things because I thought, okay, if I do leave, I think I will find it more interesting if I go to a company that's to do with, um, that's interested in like rendering or um, robotics or that kind of thing. So yeah, that's definitely. where my interests are. So I thought, so I'm kind of, my PhD is a mix of my neuroscience and my um, computational interests that I would like to do in the future, whether I have to do that in academia or in industry. Yeah, definitely. And um, something I wanted to ask you as well is, why did you decide to do a PhD? Why is it that you decided on Sussex in particular, because um, obviously you know you're mentioning that you know you've got this kind of backup plan of going into industry. Why was an industry like your first choice over, say, academia? Hmm. Uh, well, I think in terms of why I choose chose to do a PhD, um, it's because I wanted to be able to explore, essentially, and kind of like freedom to explore and ideas um, and gain training. So um, starting with the gain training, um, I did a neuroscience undergraduate degree and um, I had some self-taught programming skills from um, the summer before my master's, uh, summer before my honors project and then my master's project. I just kind of taught myself how to code in Python to do things. And I was just like, okay, I know I wanted to get into something computational. But then I was like, okay, I want some formal training on this. And I'm still really love neuroscience and want to explore that. Um, so a PhD seemed quite natural as a way to gain training while exploring something I'm really interested in. Mm. And I've just been wanting to um, really explore, find out new things and um, advance my skills. Um, because I didn't think about going into industry straight away because I wanted to gain some skills and mastery in something before I would, before I move on to industry. Um, another reason, and 
I've been fascinated by the way the brain in different animals and environments can represent the environment and how information is um, and from the environment is used to drive behavior. Um, so that kind of led me to Sussex because Sussex, I saw Sussex has, oh, Sussex has uh, lots of sensory neuroscientists. And then I saw, oh, they also have roboticists and people are interested in mixing the two. And that's kind of what drew me here. Um, I applied to some other programs um, in different universities that are focusing in similar areas, but Sussex, um, which was a surprise to me, had actually most researchers in the area that I'm interested in, which is this mix of um, um, sensory, sensory, sensory neuroscience mixed with ecology, mixed with robotics. Um, and that's what drew me to Sussex and to apply. Um, to before that, I didn't actually know Sussex was a center for that. I knew Sussex had um, a decent amount of neuroscientists, but I never knew that it was like, had um, so many people working on this area that I'm particularly interested in. Um, so that's how I ended up at Sussex. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like Sussex has put, like so many neuroscientists and they all do such broad, like different areas of neuroscience. You've got like the computational side, like you're doing, and then there's also like the pharmacological, pharmacolo um, can't speak today pharmacological side and then the psychology side so it's all like you know even would you say like even if you know something you were doing came up like oh you know I actually want to do something slightly different in neuroscience you've got that avenue to just you know move across and do something else um, yeah yeah that's what's great about Sussex I would agree as well um yeah and um my final question for you today is what advice would you give to people that would like to do a PhD? Um, like, say they're an undergraduate now, and they they really they're not they're not quite sure if they want to do a PhD, um, or, or you know they're thinking about the application process or what they should do, what project they should pick. What advice would you give them? So, in terms of advice for undergraduate student. Um, yeah, there's because there's a lot, there are a lot of things to consider. Um, but one thing I would focus on is um, focusing in what you're passionate about and letting that come out in your applications and in your interviews. So, one thing that I really focused on is that I was just like, I'm really interested in how the brain uh, takes information from the environment and does something with it in 3D vision or whatever. Um, but um, if you say you're interested in something, make sure that that comes out in some way, whether it's whether it's uh, a project you've done from that you made up yourself just to investigate it, whether it's reading that you've done, um, whether it's just a YouTube channel that talks about that a lot that you're really interested in. Just um, show that in, show that in some way. If you're thinking about whether uh, a PhD is for you. You might want to think about um, you might want to think about either doing a research master's, so that's a master's which is focused on a research project, which is gets you a good feel uh, for what a PhD is like because it's a lot of 
um, self-defined research and timings um, and seeing whether that's good for you and then thinking about whether how much you like um, in terms of independent work because um, a lot of PhD work is quite independent in a way that you can define your own timetables, define your own project even. So thinking about whether you like that kind of work. Um, and also when you do go for it, or if, if you do go for it, to just make sure you, you enjoy it because like it's your PhD at the end of the day. So um, it's very easy to get um, sidetracked into things that might be interesting, but they're not actually what you really want to do. Sometimes that's useful for like side projects and collaborations, but you should definitely try and find something that's actually what you want to do and that you're excited about. Um, and and yeah, so um, finally, in terms of programs, there are like programs that have rotations and programs that don't. Um, the programs that don't, where you apply to a project, those are very good often if you have a good idea of what you want to, want to do. But if you just um, only have a very general area that you want to get into, these four-year programs that have the first year of rotations, um, which are at a variety of universities, those are great because you get three or four different labs before you make your final decision. So yeah, that's what I'll give as advice. Yeah. Yeah, that's some really good advice. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for coming on to Braincast. Um, yeah, it's been really wonderful to have you, and it's been right. really interesting to hear what you've done so far. Um, great. Thank right. you for Thanks watching. Thank you for watching, and see you on the next episode.